Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I realized that I had not faced some of the traumas of my past. Much of addiction does stem from traumatic past and and childhood trauma and even trauma as adults. And, And you're trying to numb the pain of experiences that you've had and that you haven't really been able to process and accept and move forward. My guest today is named Jennifer Irwin. She is the author of Address the Color of the Sky and Address the Color of the Moon. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. I'm Jennifer Irwin. and the author of two books in the Dress series called Address the Color of the Sky and Address the Color of the Moon. Um, and they're based on recovery um, and addiction. and my second book just won a book excellence award in the addiction recovery category. So clearly it's resonating with people <laughs> who are reading books about addiction and recovery. Awesome. Congratulations on the award. Thank you. Thank you very much. My first one won seven awards. So I'm hoping uh, the second one will win more than one, but one's good. So I'll take it. <laughs> That's very impressive. Seven. Wow. Yeah. So obviously there's something something to this series. So I would love if you wouldn't mind just kind of I don't want you to give away too much because I want the listeners to obviously go and, and buy the books themselves and read them. But if you wouldn't mind kind of telling us a little bit more about what they're about and uh, just kind of give us an idea of, of what the series is. Okay. So Address the Color of the Sky, I, I began writing um, when I was going through a divorce and kind of wanted to know as the child of a drug addict, alcoholic, why did I marry? willingly marry an alcoholic and kind of get to the bottom of those issues of codependence that I clearly had. And I created a character who is a sex addict. Um, She's checking herself into rehab to save her marriage. And basically there's a cast of characters in rehab that are pretty quirky and interesting and entertaining. Um, A lot of conversations happen in group therapy. There's art therapy Um, There's also music therapy and the smoking area where the deep kind of real friendship conversations happen. And when you're in rehab, friendships go a lot faster and deeper because you're very raw, you're very real. Um, So five weeks is sort of like five years. It's like a, a dog's life basically in rehab where you get very, very close to people. I decided to put to to go back and forth in time because the protagonist is highly flawed and I wanted to show the readers 
what happened in her life and how did she end up where she where she is. So creating a sense of empathy and a desire for her to succeed in rehab and to succeed in her sobriety. Um, I did a lot of research for the book. I also did some inpatient programs to treat my own codependence and my own issues with my childhood, just kind of healing from a lot of the things that happened to me so that I could have healthier relationships moving forward. And as I mentioned, I, I put my dad in rehab for cocaine addiction, um, but he also was a pill addict. I mean, he was very cross addicted. So I have quite a bit of experience in understanding addiction and recovery. Um, I've been to a lot of meetings um, of all kinds and interviewed a lot of addicts. And um, I've gotten a great deal of praise on the book about how realistic it is, um, how real the characters are. I write character-driven stories. And my debut novel has won seven book awards. And also um, it has over 200 reviews and a 4.8 star rating on Amazon out of five. So the readers are really enjoying it. There's about 50-50 male to women readers. So that was very interesting to me. I didn't really expect a lot of male readers, but uh, a lot of the reviews have been written by men. And I love that. So can get into a woman's head and really see how they think, how they are very hard on themselves, what they, their reaction to things. It's, it's pretty interesting. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And 4.8, that's, that's impressive with that many reviews to, to still be that high. And I love that you're, that you mixed kind of some personal experiences that you've had and, and going through treatment and doing, you know, having some family that have also been in recovery and then mixing that with the fiction and just kind of bringing it all together to, to make this, this fictional character that is so relatable to people. And I, I just love that. And I've read a few books that have been similar to that. Um, there's one that I read not too long ago by Anna David, where she, she took, she kind of took her life story and then fictionalized it. But there were some events in that book that were based on events that she had gone through. And she had kind of a similar, similar story where it went from like her drinking and being a, an alcoholic and then her eventually finding rehab and like going through the whole saga. But it was written in a way that was very entertaining where I, I, I don't know all the details of her story. And obviously I don't know the details of your story, but you know, the kind of added some, some little flair to it and, and made it a little bit more entertaining, but still where when you sat back, you could see, you know, some real pieces and there were some educational parts to the book where you could then see new perspectives and, Oh, this is what it's like to, to be in that position. This is what it's like to go through rehab. This is, you know, this is what it feels like, you know, like the, some of the things that all of us have gone through, like the, the mm -hmm. feelings of alienation and like not fitting in and some of those kind shame, of elements, shame, of shame. guilt, yeah, <laughs> all those elements that, that we as people in recovery have felt that we can relate to. So I love that. Yeah. I, I definitely pulled from a lot of my personal experiences. I realized that I had not Face some of the traumas of my past. Much of addiction does stem from traumatic pasts and, and childhood trauma, and even trauma as adults. And, and you're trying to numb the pain of experiences that you've had and that you haven't really been able to process and accept and move forward. I was sort of carrying around a lot of victim mentality as well. And I, I was molested as a child. So that definitely 
had a huge effect on how I saw love, how I saw relationships and things like that. And I also thought that if I shared some of my story mixed in with very exciting characters and interesting characters, that it would be a compelling enough story for people to to want to read it. Um, I did have a film option on it before it got published. So I pushed it out to market very quickly and I published indie. So that's why having interviews like this is very helpful to me as an indie published author to help spread the word. I'm basically a one woman marketing machine and it's very hard to penetrate the market by yourself. So I truly appreciate you having me on your show. And I would love my books to get into more hands of addiction recovery people, specialists. I've had a lot of therapists write that it, that this book could help change the fear and, and sort of a little bit of the, the perception of what it's like to be in rehab, what it's like to recover. Um, I released the sequel very, very late last year, which picks up right when my protagonist checks out of a five-week treatment program. I bring a lot of the characters to LA. Some of the wheels come off the bus, some don't. As you know, not everybody makes it the first time around. There's a lot of huge percentage of relapse and what that looks like and how do you put your, the pieces of your life back together. So I, I get into that in the second book. And my second book did just win a gold book excellence award in the addiction and recovery category. Again, congratulations on that, and and I know the feeling of of being the the one person show. You know, that's that's my podcast. It's just <laughs> me. You know, I do everything from recording to editing to you know making the the different little pieces that I put out on social media to tease upcoming episodes. And so I definitely know the feeling of if I don't do it, then nobody's going to do it. And and that's what I love about just the recovery community, though, is just being able to make these connections. And I feel like that's part of the reason that I've been successful in podcasting is being able to make those connections, meet people in recovery, you know, uh, expanding our network. Like you and I have a conversation and then hopefully some of your fans stick around and listen to some more of my episodes. Hopefully some of my fans pick up your book and then they pass it on to their friends and they buy the second book and it just kind of snowballs from there. So mm -hmm. I, I love that you're, that you went the indie route. Cause I've, I've heard some horror stories of people that have gone with some bigger name publishers or gone the, the Amazon route or whatever. So I, I, I commend you for doing that. I, I know it's a lot more work that way, but I, hopefully it pays off for you in the long run. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's definitely a labor of love. I am I'm chasing a dream and of course I have other jobs and I would love to make a living as a writer. It's very difficult and it's very challenging to do that, but I try to, make writing a priority in my life and it, it's very calming and, and makes me very happy. So it's something that I, I basically try and put on my calendar so that I can write and continue. I'm working on my third book right now. I just released some t-shirts that for the different characters in my books that people have grown very attached to, especially the primary protagonist, Prudence Aldrich. People just love her and they find her to be very relatable I know a lot of people have been surprised that they're relating to a sex addict, um, but she's just, she's flawed, but she's very endearing and very, uh, she's been through a tremendous amount of trauma and you just root for her. 
at least my readers are very attached to her and they wanted to know how she would fare in the world after rehab. So that's why I released the second book. Awesome. And is the third book going to be a continuation of the same series or are you going in a different direction? The third, the book I'm writing right now is a completely different book uh, called the ad agency takes place in the eighties in New York. But if my, I do my books currently over at Netflix and I was asked if I could crank out a third, just if it gets made into a limited series. And I I leave the ends of my books. They're fulfilling, but hanging where, you know, there could be more to come. I bring Prudence's therapist from rehab to LA. One of the patients committed suicide in book one, and he was very traumatized by that and questioned his ability to care for people. Of course, he's a recovered alcoholic, so he has his own issues and I bring him to LA and I, I don't have them hooking up because obviously that was her therapist, but there's definitely something there between them. So possibly there could be a romance in book three where she finds the love of her life. <laughs> nice. Nice. I love that. And, and, and I feel like we're kind of kindred spirits where you're, you're wanting to be a full-time author and do that, but you're still having to work on, uh, a real, a, a quote unquote real job. And I'm the same way. Like I, I would love to one day be a full-time podcaster, but right now I don't make any money doing it. So I still have to go to my job and do that <laughs> and, and, and schedule time. You know, Saturday is usually my day where I work on the podcast for a little bit. And that's kind of my, yeah. I don't know. There's something about it that just, for me, that's just kind of like, this is like my, my meditation. This is my, <laughs> this is my time to like recharge and just take a little time out of the day for me. So I love, I love I that. I feel like, yeah, we're on, we're kind of on the same path. Like we found our passion, but we haven't quite got to that point where we can make money enough money to, to quit our, our yeah, actual jobs. Yeah. But you know, I'm hoping maybe three, four five years down the road, maybe I'll be to the point where I can. And if that doesn't happen, you know, I'll just keep going to my job and be happy about it. But yeah, what can you do? All it takes is one break. That's all it takes or one big sponsor, or one right person to listen to it. And, I just, I'm, I'm one of those people where I don't give up. And I also think it's, you can start new careers late in life. You can do whatever you want with enough de- determination and things don't always fall in the time frame we imagine them to. And I think in the end of the day, when we look back, we realize that everything unfolded as it should in the time frame that was right for the universe and for you and, and that kind of thing. So but I, I am very supportive of the indie community and especially in the indie author community. And I definitely appreciate podcasters and how you have to capture your audience and, and kind of get the word out there and get some sponsors. And um, I'm all about chasing the dream and supporting people who are doing that. I love that. Yeah. And I know my boss listens to the show and, and every now and then he'll kind of jokingly be like, I know one day you're going to, you're going to get that big break and you're going to leave me. And I'm like, <laughs> well, we'll see what happens, man. <laughs> you have to picture it, right? You got, you have to believe that's going to happen and visualize it and imagine it. If we can't picture it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I hope that I hope that you succeed and you can become that full time author. It sounds like you're getting close. I mean, you're in talks with Netflix about making your books into a, a mini series. So that sounds like you're on the right track and you've made some of those connections. And that's very exciting. Yeah, it is. It's, it takes time and it's all very slow. And 
as an indie author, uh, I can't win. I can't be on the New York Times bestseller list because I can't get my books really into Barnes and Noble. Some Barnes and Noble will sell my book, but they're sitting in the back in boxes because I don't have a publisher paying them to shelf them and paying them to promote. There's a lot of roadblocks for indie authors that I think I didn't know about before I published. And I learned so much. I mean, I've learned an incredible amount since I released my first book and then the second book. Because it's part of a series, I just couldn't get the second book picked up, um, which is fine. I just, I kind of cranked it out to market and it's got 4.9 stars on Amazon, I think almost 50 reviews already. So, but it's, it takes time and you have to just keep hustling and, and promoting yourself and it's shameless self-promotion which can be uncomfortable for people, but it has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can totally relate <laughs> to that. And that kind of, I don't know, sometimes I feel uncomfortable to, to always be, I feel like I'm always talking about, Hey, do you, do you know, I have a podcast, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, I'm sure that, that my friends and coworkers are sick and tired of hearing about it, but <laughs> you know, you're right though. Like if, if we're not promoting what we're working on, like who, there's nobody else that's going to do it for us. So we have to just continue to, to be that annoying person and, and self-promote. Yeah. You tell 10 people and then they tell 10 people and it's just grassroots marketing at its best. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I keep hoping like maybe I'll get that one sponsor and then maybe I can like take the money from that sponsor and then use that to pay for ads or something and, and try to grow that way. And I, I just, I don't, I don't really know what to do. I'm not, I'm not a marketing, I'm not a marketing guy. Do you speak at, um, do you speak at meetings? Do you go to NAA meetings? And mm -hmm. yeah, that's a great, I mean, that whole community is just huge. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a definitely. big community. So that's a good platform right there. Yeah. I'm, I've, I'm pretty plugged in, in, in my area. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Need to try and get that spreading out and more areas because the addiction recovery community is very supportive. I'm in Texas and I have a pretty good following in Texas. And then I have a pretty good following on the East coast and a pretty good following on the West coast. So it's kind of odd how I just, that's like left, right and center. And it's kind of, yeah, you're in different zones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in LA. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have a lot of connections in, in the LA slash San Diego, I guess just California in general. And then, I have a, a big pocket in like the Philly area. And then Texas is kind of like my three areas where I get the majority of my listens. Yeah. I think Philly's been hit pretty hard by, by uh, addiction, which is very sad. Mm, it has. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of States like West Virginia and Ohio that have the opiate epidemic has just been very hard on some States, but I think, it's really good to continue to talk about sobriety and talk about how life goes on and can be very fulfilling when you don't have that one problem. And it's when you have that problem, it's your, really your only problem. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just a very freeing life to, to get sober and to heal and move forward and have a life that's led in a different way and you're not obsessed with getting your next fix and you can do so much more with your life. And it's really good to share stories so that other people, if you can even help one other person, it, it makes, it makes such a world of difference. And 
I've gotten incredible private messages from people who have endured traumatic childhoods and it has messed with them and their relationships and thanking me for sharing this story with them so that they could have hope that it is possible to heal and move forward. Mm, yeah, I've, I've received some, some pretty, pretty awesome messages as well. And, you know, I think for me, that's like the most encouraging thing is, is like, there's, there's people that are listening and there's also people that are being touched by things that they're hearing and, and they're having the courage to send that message and be like, Hey, this guest shared this and it really spoke to me or what you said on this episode really touched me. And for me, that's what makes it all worthwhile is just knowing that, you know, me being able to take a little bit of time out of my Saturday and, and sit down and record an episode has an effect on someone else somewhere else in the mm -hmm. world. You know, does it doesn't really matter where they are, you know, they can they can download the episode and listen to it and, and something can touch them. And I know that that means that I'm doing something right. And I, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think these podcasts are so important because other people's stories, if, if there's one seed that can be planted for somebody that where it's relatable to them and they find a common ground and that's all it takes sometimes is just a little seed to, to change someone's life. Definitely. Definitely. I, I personally healed a lot from writing my books. I became a far better person and a far happier person once I unloaded a lot of my baggage. And writing is very therapeutic for me personally, but at the same time, I was able to share a lot of my childhood traumas and, and get that out and take the power away from what it had over me. So I didn't realize that writing these books would be so healing for me personally mm. and hopefully other people as well. Yeah. I was going to ask you how you got to that point where you decided to write a book. It, I wasn't sure if you've always been an author, always wanted to, or always been a writer, always wanted to write books, or if it was more of like you were just sharing, like getting some of your own stuff out and into the light, but at the same time, like mixing it with fiction, but you still can like get some of that weight off of yourself. And mm -hmm. how did you get to that place of writing the books? I, I've, I have always loved writing and been a storyteller. I had never written a book. I wrote a screenplay in college. This book sort of springboarded from that. And I, like I said, I, I mentioned I was going through a divorce. I wanted to figure out why did I marry an alcoholic? Uh, why, as the child of an alcoholic, I, I knew better. I understood what that meant. Um, my ex-husband was sober the first nine years of our marriage, and then he started drinking again, but he was a dry drunk. He wasn't working the program. So it was basically living with an alcoholic the whole time. And I knew that if I didn't heal from my own childhood trauma, that I would still end up with another addict, that I would be drawn to caretaking and I would be drawn to being codependent and feeling as though I could help someone and I can make them better. And that's just not the case. I, I can only make one person better and that's myself. So I decided to go on a journey and write this book. And the more I wrote, the better I felt, the more I developed characters. Um, I had a, one of my kids at the time that I was writing it going through a very hard time and I put him in treatment. So I was able to interview a lot of the people. He was in a men's sober living house for a year and a half. And that helped me understand even deeper addiction recovery, what the healing process looks like, what treatment looks like, 
I just did a huge amount of research and I wanted it to be very realistic. My father struggled so much with addiction. I mean, he was a delightful person and I adored him, but he had a very serious problem and how that affects you is pretty much everyone has been affected in some way by addiction and recovery. They have a friend, they have a relative, they know someone. I mean, it would be really hard pressed to find anyone who has never had an experience with addiction. I just thought I need to tell the story for other people and myself. And it turned out to, to resonate with many, many people and more than I ever imagined. I, I love that. And, it, I, and, and like you said, there's so many people out there and it would be hard to find someone that hasn't been affected in some way by someone in addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I think that's why it's so important that we have platforms like this where we can talk about addiction, where we can talk about what it's like. And I think from, I, I don't know, cause I obviously I was the one that was using, but I would think from an outside perspective, I know it can be difficult. I know my parents didn't really understand, you know, they kind of had that mindset of like, just, just stop. Like, why can't you just stop using? And, <laughs> You know, it goes so much deeper than that. And that, and I think that's one of the important things that we can do with platforms like this is, is begin to break that stigma and let people know, you know, what we go through, the thoughts that we have, you know, that we're so focused on our own use that we don't have the ability to really think about anyone else besides ourselves because we're so self-centered. We don't, we, we don't intentionally hurt the ones that we love, but you know, the, the, the drug or the alcohol just becomes the most important thing in our life. And then everything else goes to the side and we do whatever we have to do to get that. And I think it's important that the loved ones know that we're not intentionally trying to hurt them, that we're just trying, you know, we're, we're trying to do, we're doing our best, you know, we're just trying to, to cope with, with our past traumas and, and, you know, the, the hostile, seemingly hostile world that we live in. And, and, you know, our solution has been to, to get higher, to get drunk. And that's, you know, that's the only way that we know how to, to cope with life. Yeah. I learned this when my son was in treatment that when you're using, you have one problem and it's your only problem. And it's a very big problem. And when you're not, you'll, you might have other problems, but you're not, but the big one that's, going to be light, completely all consuming is gone. And it's, it's just such a much better life to not have that one big problem. There is a huge community that can support you and the journey is not always easy, but it's worth it. And I I think that's part of the message I want to put out to, to people who are trying to recover or heal from childhood trauma and are maybe putting a bandaid on their feelings with using varieties of drugs and and alcohol. It's important to heal and not have the poison inside you. And it just has such a great effect to be able to let go of the past. You can't always close the door on it, but you can accept it and then move forward. I also wanted to clear the stigma that people have of what is it like in rehab? What does it look like? What, what kind of people are there? They're just regular people. They're housewives that had back surgery and got addicted to Vicodin. They're firemen. They're, they're, they're police officers. There's lawyers, doctors. It's, nobody's free from this disease. It, it, it hits all ages, all race, all socioeconomic backgrounds. And that's sort of the, stigma that I wanted to clear of what is it like in rehab 
what is art therapy? What is music therapy? What does the group therapy look like? And what is that whole process? And, and it's very well laid out in the book. So if you are curious about what inpatient treatments like, my book's a great one to read. That's that's so great that you're that you're working to break that stigma, and I think that's one of the most important things that we can do is is begin to tear down those walls of stigma because I know that that holds a lot of people back, and that you know that's a place that really brings a lot of shame, and and you know it's hard to get past some of those things. So I appreciate that you're doing that, and I think it's an excellent thing that you're doing to try to break that stigma and let people kind of have that inside peek as to what it's like to to be in inpatient rehab and stuff. I think that's an excellent thing. Um, there is one question that I like to ask people towards the end of the episode, and that's um, what does your daily routine look like? How do you start your day? Do you do any kind of prayer, meditation, readings? Is there anything that you've done consistently that you've found beneficial in your life? Yeah, I, I definitely wake up and do a little journaling write down my feelings, write down what I hope to accomplish during the day. Also, meditation has been very helpful to me to calm my mind and start my day with a sense of calm and peace. I have a very stressful sales job and I have to log in around six in the morning and it's sort of go, go, go. So I take that time in the morning before I log in to have that peace and think about my day, what do I want to accomplish? What could I have done better the day before? How how can I find myself to be not so stressed out? And also thinking about maybe what friends do I want to reach out to today? I think it can be a very lonely world and it's important to connect with people and text people that you're thinking about them or call people try to make a, I make these journaling notes and then I say, well, I'm on my walk today. I'm going to call my friend or text them and connect and let them know I care. And I, I just, we don't know what's going on in other people's lives. And I try to really connect and keep in touch with people. And that has healed me a lot as well. We're not alone in this world and there are people out there that care about you. So I do a little meditation, journaling, and a sort of a, a list of what I'd like to accomplish during the day. That helps me a lot. I like that a lot. And and I love that you brought up like reaching out to those people and not knowing what's going on in, in each other's lives. Cause I think it's so important for us in recovery to start finding that community and beginning to have those people in our lives that we can be open and vulnerable with. So I think that that's an excellent mm -hmm. point. And I think that's it's been a huge part of my recovery as well as having those couple of people that I know that no matter what's going on, that I can turn to them and I can share with them what's going on. So I think that's an excellent point that you brought up. Yay. Thank you. Absolutely. So in closing, if you wouldn't mind letting the listeners know if they're interested in finding your books, if they're interested with connecting with you on social media, how can they find you? Do you have a website? Yeah, my website's jenniferirwinauthor.com. And on my website, you can purchase my books and the t-shirts with the characters um, that I just launched are super cute and fun. And then when you fall in love with the characters, you can pick a team that you want to be on. So I've been doing this whole launch. Um, I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Jen Irwin Author. Irwin's with an I. My books are the dress series, Address the Color of the Sky and Address the Color of the Moon. You don't have to read them in order. A lot of people read them out of order and, and like it, they're standalone. So you can read one, you can read both either way you want. So 
I made it pretty easy. And I appreciate anybody reading my books and supporting indie authors. Absolutely. Thank you, Jennifer, for coming on today and and sharing about your book series. And I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for having me. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it. And I just added Address the Color of the Sky to my reading list, and I will be starting that here in the next couple of days. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.